You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. This show is for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media at bgtfshow. Hello and welcome to the first British GT Fan Show of 2021. Coming up in this episode, we've got the latest news, our breakdown of British GT involvement in the Gulf 12 Hours, the Hankook 24 Hours in Dubai and the Hankook Abu Dhabi 6 Hours races, and we also take a look ahead to the upcoming Rolex 24 at Daytona, and we bring you the answers from our Christmas quiz, so stay tuned. The British GT Fan Show is hosted by Sarah Smith alongside resident British GT expert Nicholas Smith. Welcome to the first British GT fan show of 2021. We're almost a month into it, which is quite hard to believe in some ways, isn't it, Nick? It is indeed. Happy New Year and unfortunately Happy New Lockdown. Yeah, (laughs) we'll get to lockdown a little bit later. But let's kick off uh, with the news as usual. Uh, We are going to split things up and mix things up a little bit this episode because we actually have quite a lot to talk about, even though we don't have any British GT racing going on, don't we? We do. We've actually had a heck of a lot going on. So far this year, we've had three endurance races, the better part of two days of racing so far. Um, We've got another 24-hour race coming up pretty soon. Um, So it's, it's all getting quite exciting. So yeah, let's uh, start off with the news. So we'll we'll do a bit first and then we'll swap to uh, some of the racing that has happened. Uh, so the first bit of news is pretty hot off the press. And that is that Speedworks Motorsport driver Sam Smelt has confirmed another season with the Toyota outfit. And that's been released as of this morning, Wednesday, the 27th of January. That's the good news. Now, the bad news, which had actually been leaked to us as early as November last year, um, is that he will be driving a Toyota Corolla for 2021 and not the GR Supra that he pedaled last year as uh, Sam is moving across to the Quick Fit British Touring Car Championship. So we wish him all the best of luck there and we're sorry that we won't be seeing him in British GT this year. It is a shame. Unfortunately, he's going to have to learn that they're no longer splitters. They are bumpers at the front of the car again. There is good news as well to come out, though, uh, which is that we're getting some eye candy in 2021. From touring cars to big brute GT cars and some of the older GT3 machines. So fans of the older cars are going to be salivating here a little because the two big events in the 2021 British GT Championship are having additional support races. Some of the latest announcements from the SRO have included confirmation of the full support package for the British GT Championship this year, which includes, of course, the co-headlining BRDC British Formula 3 Championship. Now, along with the single-seater pinnacle of British motorsport, we have Ginetta's GT Academy and the Pro Tire Motorsport Ginetta GT5 Challenge, joined by Porsche's Sprint Challenge GB. Now, for selected events, we get proper grassroots British sports car racing. The Catrums are coming, so fans can look forward to large grids 
an avertible orgy of slipstreaming and millimetre gap overtakes between GT sessions. Now, the big SRO news for British GT support is the inclusion of two of their new products at Spa and at Silverstone. The Belgium round comprises the opening weekend of the SRO Speed Week, which culminates in the total 24 hours of Spa. Our weekend gets the FFSA GT Championship, as we announced before, along with the new GT2 European Series. This is where the big cars from Audi, Porsche and KTM will take part in two 50-minute races for gentlemen drivers. They've got big power, big aero and very little in the way of electronic aids, so they could be spectacular climbing over Rouge and Radion. Silverstone 500 also grabs a new support category in the form of the GT Rebellion series. This SRO product is aimed again at purely amateur drivers rated bronze by the FAA. No silver, gold or platinums are allowed. What is allowed is current and past GT3 cars, which gives us a glorious vista of MP412C battling Dodge Viper and Mosler MT900R through Magus and Beckett's. If you're not excited by that, well, I am. So how do I follow that up? Um, we've obviously had a very interrupted year of racing, and it does look set to carry on, and we've got more on that later. And COVID-19 has done more than reorganised the 2020 racing schedule, as it also cancelled the annual SRO Awards Night Gala, where champions from across the 18 worldwide championships and six standalone events and projects in the Stefan Rattel organisation stable. Now, that cancellation delayed the recognition of several winners uh, from British GT. So first up, Barwell Motorsports' Sandy Mitchell, who's the newly minted Lamborghini factory driver and now reigning British GT champion, um, has been awarded the Alan Simonson Award. Now, this award was inaugurated in 2013 in memory of the Great Dane Alan Simonson, who lost his life at the 24th of the month whilst racing a factory Aston Martin Vantage. And the award is given to the standout driver of the year who demonstrates the same blistering pace and sportsmanly spirit demonstrated by our fallen friend. Uh, he joins Phil Keane, Nick Tandy, Nicky Team, Joe Osborne, Alexander Sims and Johnny Adams as previous recipients of the award. And Phil Keane and Jamie Caroline, Barwell Motorsport for GT3 for Phil Keane and TF Sports GT4 respectively were also recognised um, at the awards as the 2020 Sunoco fastest drivers in their classes. And um, grabbing for the most tenuous of links that I can find here, Joe Osborne, uh, obviously a previous winner of the Alan Simonson Award, was also in action at two of the three races we've had over the beginning of 2021. So what we're going to do now is take a look at the Gulf 12 Hours the Hankook 24 hours of Dubai and the Hankook Abu Dhabi six hours. So we talked uh, last episode a little bit about the Gulf 12 hours as that was the first race coming up on the calendar. Um, and we did have a fair bit of British GT representation there, didn't we, Nick? We did. I've got uh, six British GT related cars that raced in the field and it was quite a small field by the time everything got going. Um, obviously with COVID and, and, and that situation, not all the teams decided to travel. Unfortunately, we lost one of the British GT teams that was going to go because Balfe Motorsport decided not to, to make the journey. Um, but we did have six British GT related vehicles on the track. Um, so, so we're going to have a chat about them. Mm -hmm. 
So let's start off with Two Seas Motorsport. I'm fully expecting them to turn up, given that uh, they are a dual country-based team, uh, part British, part Bahraini, and the Gulf 12 Hours was in Bahrain. TCs did have two cars uh, racing at this weekend, the number 33 and the number 7, uh, both McLaren 720S GT3. So let's talk first of all about the number 7. Uh, now, this was driven by Edward Jones, Lewis Williamson and Dylan Pereira. Do you want to give us a rundown of how their race went? Well, when we first broke the news or when we first received the news that Two Seas Motorsport were going to race in the Gulf 12 Hours, of course, that was to be Abu Dhabi when the news was released. Um, but I did say if they take one car to the Gulf, they've got a pretty good chance. If they take two, then I'm not so certain. The number seven car made the point brilliantly for me. It lasted 26 laps before turbo failure and other engine-related gubbins knocked the car out of the race. Um, now, that's not necessarily 2C's fault. Uh, things can break at any time. It's like a light bulb. It's working until it isn't. So it's, it's just bad luck, um, and even more bad luck that it happened on home soil. Mm. They got 26 laps in, um, which wasn't particularly far considering that the other car that they entered actually ended up winning the race um on a grand total of 341 laps uh, now that car was manned by Issa bin Abdullah Al Khalifa Ben Barnacote and Martin Kondrick uh, obviously a much better race for this car so talk us through the ups and downs of their trip out Say so 26 laps into the race, my prediction came true, didn't it? They were down to one car and they basically ran away with it. Um, in the tail end of, remember we said that this race was actually more like a double six. Um, so you did the first six hours, stopped for lunch, had another six hours. Uh, towards the end of the first six hours, they developed some gear shift issues and the car had to come to pit lane twice in, in almost as many laps. That gave up the lead of the race uh, to the chasing. It was a dynamic motorsport Porsche, which, by the way, black with, with gold foil on the livery, looked stunning under the lights in the second section. Um, but they they dropped back to about fourth place, fought their way back through the field. So they were not quite in the lead, but they were on terms. They were second place, if I remember rightly, at the start of the second part of the race. At Rich Point, they basically lit the fuse and set the rocket off and won it by over a lap. Um, no one could catch them in the second six hours of the race. It was just full speed ahead. Um, so a very well-deserved win on a endurance race to kick off two seas motorsports 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, it certainly looked like they, they had everything going for both cars because qualifying-wise, they did get a pole and second place. So I do think that the turbo failure for the number seven is probably more just unfortunate than anything that has actually you know gone wrong as a result of anything that two c's have done it's i mean we're looking at, at two cars here and another piece of news that has popped up uh is that actually that these two cars are for sale um now we don't expect two c's motorsport to pack up after one year so what's probably happening here is they bought some new cars because these ones aren't going to get back to the UK in time for our season. Um, 
but we're looking at two cars here that have done a full season of racing and they've done a full season of racing in about six months. Um, so things can happen and, and cars can get tired. And like I say, they're working till they're not. Some, sometimes these things don't give you any clue that they're going to let go. So let's take a look now at Ram Racing. I'm just looking through the list of uh, who we've got. I was working out, do we go bottom to top, top to bottom? Um, I might switch it up. Just keep you on your toes. <laughs> Don't do so, that. <laughs> well, <laughs> make sure you're awake. So Ram Racing, uh, they had the Mercedes-AMG GT3 number three car in there. Uh, they qualified fifth in this and behind the wheel We've got Ian Loggy, Chris Froggart, and Callum McLeod. So some names that we definitely recognise there. Uh, so how about these guys? Started fifth and, and finished 12 hours later, unfortunately two laps down on, on the leader. But we've already established that the, the leading car, the 33, was basically a, a rocket ship in disguise. Um, the, you could have used a Starship Enterprise and still not kept it up with it. Um, so I think third place and two laps down really isn't too shoddy. Um, they actually finished the the first part of the race in second, so I've obviously got the wrong finishing position in the first part for the number 33 car. Um, and it actually led after Ben Barnacote encountered those, those gear shift issues. Um, but they made a slight mistake on the... You, need, you, could, you could fall just seconds short of the time. Uh, and get a slap on the wrist for it. Um, they did have a drive-through at the start of the second section of the race, but once they got out, once they got out from that, it ran flawlessly. It's just they they didn't have the pace to keep up with the with the with the McLaren. It's uh, that that car was lightning quick. Mm-hmm. So next up, let's look at Optimum. Uh, now Optimum were running a car under their own banner. The McLaren 570S GT4, number 77, uh, which was driven by Jan Klingelberg, Rowan Hughes, Lars Darman, and Charlie Hollands. Uh, names that we, again, recognise from uh, last season of British GT. Uh, they were also involved with the Inception Racing Car as well, which was the number 72 McLaren 720S. Um, again, a number of names that we know. Uh, this one manned by Brendan Iribe, Ollie Milroy, Nick Moss, and the aforementioned Joe Osborne. So let's have a look at uh, how these two cars got along. Yeah, uh, I mean, the first thing to mention here, of course, British GT fans know Brendan, they know Ollie, and they know Joe from the GT3 car. Nick Moss is a proper established endurance racer. Um, he's been running in the Moss Motorsport BMWs in Brick Car and Creventic Racing since I got involved in motorsport over a decade ago. So this man knows how to do a long race. Um, Fairly new to the GT3 car, but he is a properly equipped peddler. Unfortunately, Brendan was at the wheel of the car early on in the race when they found brake bias issues with the car. They brought it in, they, they tried to fix it. They sent the car out. I mean, it was in the pits for a good two, three hours. Um, they sent the car back out with Joe Osborne at the wheel. Joe, as we know, is the McLaren development driver. Um, so he actually basically helped to design and build the car. Um, so they sent him out. 
with a few laps left in in the first part of the race to to see whether that fix was successful was out for a lap came straight back in and the car was retired formally during the the break between the two two races which was a crying shame the good news for optimum at that point in time was the number 77 the mclaren 570s gt4 with basically the balfour motorsport lineup in it um not saying they stole somebody else's drivers <laughs> Uh, they were actually doing very, very well in, in GT4. Now, GT4 was a very small class. All you had to do was hit minimum distance to get a trophy, basically. There were three cars in it. Um, the car was having a bit of a dice and a battle with the Mercedes from Fjord Corsa, um, but was was coming out pretty well all the way through the first hour. I believe it finished the first hour in the lead of the class. The second part of the race, it had a wheel sensor issue. They were in and out of the pits. It basically all went very, very wrong. Uh, They ended 28 laps down on their class leader, 62 laps down on the overall race winner. Um, But that's that's not bad, to be honest. 12-hour racing is not... It's not easy. Um, And these technical issues, they... They, they, they can come up. They only lost 28 laps on their class trying to sort out a sensor issue. It's <laughs> these electrical issues. You could, you could be working them for weeks and still not find them. So that brings us to the last British GT team linked uh, with the Golf 12 Hours race, and that's the Team Parker Racing entry. Uh, now, they were racing the number 31 Bentley Continental GT3, qualified in sixth. Uh, driven by Derek Pierce, Ewan McKay, and Andy Merrick. Yeah, the Bentley. Um, obviously, the GT World Challenge Europe driver lineup in the car, uh, Derek and Ewan, plus Andy Merrick, who unfortunately is no longer a, a Bentley factory driver because Bentley no longer has factory drivers. Um, started sixth. Had a, a fairly quiet but obviously pretty effective race. They finished three laps down on on the 33 McLaren, fifth place overall. About the only thing that anybody reported uh, about this car over the course of the race was a was a driver time infringement for for the first part of the race. As with um, as with Ram Racing, they've obviously got their mass ever so slightly wrong on 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 minimum maximum drive times. Um, but other than that, it was. Uh, it was a fairly quiet race, just just one where they were sort of eclipsed by the the blistering pace of the at the at the McLaren and the the stout attack of the dynamic Porsche, which was about the only car that could do anything to take the fight to this McLaren. Very much a case of no news being good news for Team Parker Racing. Yeah, I would like to say one other thing on the Golf Twelve Hours, um, and it is British GT related, not just my friend. Now, they put together the English language broadcast at the absolute last minute. Um, not sure whether everything was going to go ahead, et cetera, et cetera. And they phoned a chap called Mark Wirral. Uh, now, he's a good friend of mine. He is responsible for inflicting me on the world of motorsport. Um, but he's also a regular circuit commentator for British GT, working with, with Titch. You'll find him every year at Alton Park down at the Nickerbrook Con Box. Now, he commentated a 12-hour race on his own 
from a different country. And I was just staggered by how well he did with that. Very little time to prepare, 12-hour race, not many cars. It's a commentator's worst nightmare, and, and he really pulled it off, and I'd like to congratulate him for that. Hi, I'm Mia Fluitt. I'm a GT4 driver with Balfour Motorsport, and I'm happy to be joining the guys from British GT Fan Show. Please follow them on social media at BGTF Show. So moving on from the Gulf 12 Hours, we've also had two other races take place between last episode and this episode. Uh, those being the Hankook 24-hour Dubai race um, and the Hankook Abu Dhabi 6-hour race. So we're going to have a quick chat through, um, obviously, the British GT-related content uh, from those two races. So let's start off with the Hankook 24-hour Dubai. Uh, Nick, do you want to just give us a very brief rundown as to kind of what this race is in the format? I know it seems pretty obvious, but just for anyone yep. who perhaps doesn't know. Okay, it's it's run by Creventic, which is a Dutch company. Um, they open the year every year with a 24-hour race at the Dubai Autodrome in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, usually they get the better part of 90 cars, Obviously, due to COVID, there was a drastic reduction in entries this year, so we only had about 50. Oh, dear. Um, it's a standard 24-hour race, so they start at, say, 2 o'clock, and they finish at 2 o'clock the next day. There is no parking up for getting lunch. It's, it's just flat out as fast as you can go, um, stopping for, for fuel and whatnot until... 24 hours after the after the green flag flies, at which point somebody is declared the winner, put on a camel, walked up pit lane and given a trophy. And I'm not lying about that. They do ride the winners up the pit lane on the back of a camel, which is why I want to win this race sometime. <laughs> um, slightly strange rules in terms of, I mean, one, they use what we call Code 60. They invented Code 60, which is full course yellow in Formula One or virtual safety car, or whatever they call it. Um, there was quite a bit of that for various reasons, including one that wasn't related to actual action on the track. It was a safety issue elsewhere in the paddock, um, which is why they they neutralised the race for safety, so they didn't have to worry about a car going off, etc. Um, the only other thing with these these Creventic races, so all the Hancock sponsored events, basically um, with GT3 cars, is that. When we're talking about refueling, whereas most endurance races, it's the quick release dump churns or the or the fuel rigs like you see in, in, in Le Mans and whatnot. With these, you pull in, you do your driver changing your tyres, run down to the end of the pit lane and you pull into a basically a petrol station that they've set up, lift the nozzle off, pull the trigger, put in the right amount of fuel. So pit stops are slightly longer than they usually are with this form of racing. Hmm. There you go. Quick guide to Creventic. <laughs> and obviously the sheer number of entries means that we are not going through everything. You'll be pleased to know, I'm sure. Uh, so let's kick it off then uh, with the British GT-related teams. Let's talk about HRT Performance first. Now, they had two cars, uh, the 929 and 928, both Porsche 991.2 cars. Uh not great in terms of finishing for these two. Uh, so let's talk uh, the 928 first. Now, this was driven by Leon Kohler, Eric Burns, Fabio Citinola, 
Sebastian Framuth and then our British one of our British GT links here, JM Lipman. Yeah, JM who has driven the M6 BMW for Century in British GT before. Uh, was actually entered in in both the 928 and the 929 from HRT Performance. He was the only driver that was common to both cars. Um, now, the 928 lasted five laps um, before it, it finished. Um, there was quite a big issue at the first corner early on in the race. Unfortunately, I completely forgot that Dubai is in a different time zone to us. Um, so I joined the race three hours in and didn't see it. <laughs> um, but there was some sort of fairly big kerfuffle quite early on down at turn one. Uh, it may have been involved in that or it could have been mechanical. Uh, the 929 car, I'm just going to quickly knock this one out of the way as well. They didn't make the finish either. They completed 114 laps. J.M. Littman shared with Oliver Freymuth, Nikolai Gadetsky, Holger Harmsen and Kim Andre Hoschild. Um, but I say between the two cars, they they managed about six hours. So we've got another double entry next. Uh, CWS Engineering this time. Uh, they had the two seven eight and two eighty. Uh, they also had a two seven nine entered, which didn't race. Now all the cars that they entered are Janetta G fifty fives. Um, so let's talk about these cars, uh, Nick. Do you want to run us through the drivers and how they did? Uh, the the 278 car is the car that we always see at Creventic at the Hancock 24 Hours of Dubai every year. Um, now, it's only entered as a G55, I believe, because that's what they've run in the past. It's a, a G55 GT4, um, but it could have been a G55 Cup car because CBS running have, have both. Um, Colin White, um, who obviously owns the company and has raced in British GT before, uh, was joined by Jean-Francois Bruneau, Adam Hayes and Michael Tishner, uh, with Simon Orange as a fifth driver in that car. It was the better finishing of the two cars. They managed 26th overall, uh, 96 laps off the, off the winner, and they were second in the TCX class. The other thing about Creventic races is it tends to be two races at once. You've got the GT Championship, and then you've got the Touring Car Endurance Series. Despite the fact they're running a GT car, the, the Genetta is entered into the Touring Car Series in the TCX class, which is basically a, an invitational class. If you don't fit into one of the classes we've already got, we'll put you in here. Um, so they finished second in their class. So the number 280 uh, Genetta G55, uh, Bradley Schurer, Mikhail Pitamba, Paul Hill, Michael Stephen. Uh, all four South African drivers were entered in two cars, the 279 and the 280, one purely as an insurance policy against the other one not getting to the start of the race, uh, which is why the 279 didn't actually start. Um, they finished overall in 30th position, 125 laps down on the eventual leader. But of course, their battle was in the TCX class. Um, so in the Touring Car Endurance Series, they were 36 laps down on the class-winning car, and that would put them ooh, 29 laps down on their teammates. So a reasonable effort. The next car uh, to mention is the Dragon Racing entry, uh, the 488 
number uh, running a Mercedes AMG GT4. Uh, now the link to British GT here is a couple of the drivers. So uh, driving this car, we've got Dennis Remayeko, Adam Christodoulou, who of course we recognise, John Hartshorn, and Ollie Hancock. Now, if I've got this right from our notes, Ollie Hancock uh, was seen in British GT in 2015 in driving for FF Corsa Ferrari. And uh, a Ferrari driver driving the number 488. You'd think he'd be driving a Ferrari, but no, it's a, <laughs> a GT4 Mercedes. This confused the heck out of me for about ooh, 18 of the 24 hours. Um Obviously, racing in the GT4 class. Now, these guys were actual GT4 cars rather than sort of pretending to be a touring car like the, the CWS engineering cars were. Um, they were 60 laps down at the end of the the race. Uh, now, I'm going to chip in here. Congratulations, of course, go to the eventual winner of the race, which was GPX Racing, uh, the 36 Porsche 911 GT3R. Uh, Axel Jeffries, Frederick Fatier, Matthew Jaminet, Julian Andlauer, and Alan Ferte. They did 600 laps. Now, GT4 car only was only 10% slower over 24 hours. That's pretty good going. And they didn't win their class either. They were third in GT4, six laps down on the GT4, GT4 winner. But they were only sort of. They're 10% short of total distance. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by that. So we've got two more cars to talk about, uh, both in the GT3 class entry. So let's talk, uh, first of all, Inception Racing, the Optima Road Sport. Uh, again, their 72 McLaren 720S GT3. Similar driver lineup to the previous race with Brendan Uribe, Ollie Milroy, Nick Moss and Joe Osborne. Impressive outing for them, would you not say? Um, as you would expect, I mean, yes, okay, they had the golf 12 hours to forget, but they've had more time to gel as a team because it was the same car and the same driver lineup. All they did was basically drive an hour and a half across the border, didn't they? Uh, from, from Bahrain to, to Dubai, um, which you can do in the Emirates. They've got strange things. Depending on which Emirate you come into, you have to sort of stay in your hotel room for a while or probably quarantine. But once you've cleared quarantine in one of the Emirates, you're, you're then clear to move between the others. So I, I don't understand it. Um, pretty good race for these guys. Uh, tenth overall, 24 laps down on the uh, on the GPX Racing Porsche. Fifth in the AM class. There were two different GT3 classes. In fact, actually three, but one's a bit complex. Um, GT3, basically Pro, which was the all-pro lineups. Um, and then the GT3 AM class. Then there was an AM class where you had to do a certain time and you had certain fuel. And then there was an AM class where you could just go flat out. Um, like I say, Creventic, they, they tried to keep everybody happy. Um, but it was a much better weekend for them in, in Dubai than it was in Bahrain. Um, got to the end of the race, only 18 laps down on their class leader. I think that's pretty respectable. So that brings us to our last car to talk about, which is the HRT Bilstein. Uh, now, this is the number four Mercedes-AMG GT3 Evo 2020. Uh, now, these guys finished third. Uh, the car was driven by Hubert Howe, 
Maro Engel, Patrick Assenheimer, Ryan Ratcliffe, who of course um, is British GT alumni, and Khaled Alk Basie. Yeah. Finished in third place, one lap down, um, which basically from about six hours from the end, I was thinking of a lap down as effectively on the lead lap because that GPX racing Porsche was 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 away in the distance. Um, so the real battle was for second. Um, what I will say here is, you look at that drive lineup: Haupt, Engel, Assenheimer, Alcabizi. The weak link in that car is Ryan Ratcliffe. And when your weak link is Ryan Ratcliffe, you are a very well-sorted driver lineup. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not surprised this car did as well as it did, um, because, as I say, Ryan as, as, as your slowest driver. There are teams that would kill for that. So we've one more race to talk about before we get back to the news, um, and that is the Hankook Abu Dhabi six hours race. Uh, so a quarter of the length of the previous race. Can we get through the entries in a quarter of the time of the coverage of the previous race? Possibly not, uh, but uh, let's let's talk about this. We've got a f- mostly similar teams here, which is to be expected as we're in the same part of the world in not too far away a time frame as the previous race. Uh, so let's talk briefly. First up, uh, CWS Engineering again had the 278 and the 280 Genetta G55s um, on there. Do you want to talk us quickly through uh, their races? Yeah, uh, the, the 278, Colin White and Jean-Francois Bruno again. Um, seventh place overall, fourth in the touring car category. This again was another Creventic race. There were two different races going on, but there were 16 entries in total. It was not a particularly well-subscribed event. Um, run for six hours straight on the Yas Marina circuit on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. The Formula One circuit with the blue lines and the hotel across the track and, you know, the marina, basically Monaco in the desert. Um, i say seventh, fourth place in class. They had an early puncture, put them on a back foot, never really recovered. Okay. Um, the other car, the 280, uh, was 10th overall, 7th in touring car. They had a steering problem for much of the race. Uh, this was Michael Tishner and Simon Orange, uh, joined by Colin White. It was one of the few cars that had three drivers. A new car uh, for kind of our coverage in this race was the Attempto Racing Entry. Uh, now, they were racing an Audi R8 LMS GT3 Evo, number 99, uh, with Alex Acker, Finley Hutchinson, and Marcus Winklehock. I think it's fair to say, actually, for this race, um, not the greatest of luck for any of the cars with British GT connections in there. So uh, let's talk about what kind of put uh, or took the wind out of their sails. Yeah. Now, a lot of people won't remember the British GT link in this one, it is Finlay Hutchinson. If you rewind a few years in your head, we had that beautiful blue and white McLaren GT4 car run by Akeep Fischer. Finlay Hutchinson was one of the drivers. Uh, so that's our link there. Unfortunately, pretty much bang on the halfway mark. Audi V10 became Audi not working. 
car pulled over to the side of the road, wasn't possible to repair the car out of local resources. So a Tempto racing became a Tempto parked. And the the best of of the bunch in British GT entry or related entries for this was the Inception Racing by Optimum. Again, the number 72 McLaren. This time, just Brendan Iribe and Ollie Milroy behind the wheel. Okay, they finished... Um, I've got them down here as 12th, third in GT, which makes sense, actually. So they finished 12th and third in GT. The GT class wasn't particularly well subscribed. Most of the entries were touring cars. Um, And it is just a sign of the reliability issues that the entire field suffered. The podium finisher in the top class finished 12th out of 16 entries. Um, the reason for finishing so far down was they had a fuel connector issue and they lost two hours. Uh, basically, you can't get fuel in the tank and you can't get fuel to the engine. You've not got a car. Um, just really unfortunate for Optimum, actually. They went out, they basically looking at doing just short of two days of racing in the Gulf over the, uh, over, over the winter and they, they, they just about made it to a day. Um, because of mechanical problems and issues with the car. Um, not their fault. What I will say, of course, is, as with the previous race, we need to acknowledge the fact that there were races and people did win them. Uh, so our winner in GT was Car Collection Motorsport, the Audi R8 LMS GT3 Evo of Antares Al, Chris Froggart and John Loggy. The touring car winner, ST Racing, with a BMW M4 GT4. For two American drivers, John Miller, who people that watch IMSA will know very well, and Samantha Tan, uh, one of the few ladies to race in the in, in the golf this year. Hi, I'm Nathan Freak, team owner of Century Motorsport, and you're listening to the British GT Fan Show. Find them across all social media at BGTF Show. So having taken a look at the races that we've already had, we've got a race to cover that's coming up as well, but we do have more news for you in the meantime. Uh, Now, we did mention Team Parker Racing um, in the Golf 12 Hours, and that was actually the last time we're expecting to see a Bentley with Team Parker Racing logo on the nose as the Team Parker Racing outfit announced in the new year that after Bentley decided that they're withdrawing their factory GT program run by m sport uh they are also going to stop running the continental gt now the team have promised to return to racing in 2021 um now they have contested british gt gt world challenge europe and other endurance events in the past and for now we don't know what car they're going to be bringing to the track this year uh but nick does have a bit of speculation on this because I've got such a good track record with speculating, haven't I? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look back a little bit into Team Parker Racing history here uh, and, and present a couple of, of candidates. Uh, they've got existing relationships with two manufacturers of note. Of course, the, the team is very big in the Porsche Carrera Cup GB world. So a 911-992, uh, 991.2, sorry, forgive me. I'm getting a little bit excited. They haven't released the new... GT3 car yet. Uh, so a 991.2 GT3R or two, they w- they wouldn't look place out look out of place wearing the Team Parker Racing livery. And given the recent successes that Porsche have had, uh, it could be a way they'd like to go. 
Likewise, uh, if you look at their existing British GT customers, Nick Jones and Scott Malvin, they've got a bit of a thing for the Mercedes AMG. Uh, Team Parker Racing ran their GT4 Mercedes, which took them to the title in 2018. Um, didn't go so well under the title defence in 2019 for GT4 Pro-Am. Um, and they also ran the Mercedes that lasted about two and a half laps of the Silverstone 500 in 2020. Now, Nick and Scott have expressed a desire to return to Mercedes, so perhaps Team Parker Racing will be heading down the Benz route. As I've said, I've got a fantastic record for speculating. I think I've been right at least once in the past 10 years. Um, so don't go placing any bets based on what I've just said. So we mentioned earlier uh, that COVID-19 has been responsible for a lot of upheaval in the world in general, not just the motorsport world. And the ripples are still being felt um, as we had announced a calendar last episode um now the 2021 intelligent money british gt championship calendar has been reorganized now nick's very helpfully put here that it's continuing a new dance the covid shuffle which has given me all kinds of images in my head um now as a result of the lockdown in january and the uncertainty as to how long it's going on um obviously currently it's been reviewed in the middle of February, but I think kind of growing in awareness, it's probably not going to be the middle of February, unfortunately. Um, but in light of that, the SRO has taken the decision to move the opening two rounds of the championship to later in the season. So as a result, Brands Hatch is now opening the championship, uh, which will be resuming the season starting slot for the first time since 2016. And it's also the first time since then that the series has opened on an endurance event rather than a double sprint. Snatterton's two one-hour races will take place in early August, while Alton Park will host the championship in the second week of September. And as a result, the two-hour Donington decider has been moved back to the 16th and 17th of October. Now, the new calendar has been carefully crafted to avoid clashing with GT World Challenge Europe, the GT2 and GT4 European Series and the GT Rebellion Series, uh, which will allow drivers and teams to compete in any or all of the championships. Crucially, for on-track and online audiences, the calendar is currently configured, has no clashes with the Quick Fit British Touring Car Championship either. Um, I think probably there is a caveat here that it's all subject to further change. Hopefully, fingers crossed, there won't be any more. Um, but obviously, if there are any further changes, we will, of course, keep you informed. It's, it's very hard to fit seven British GT weekends and 10 British Touring Car weekends into the same three months without clashing, isn't it? Absolutely. In additional news, and we're stepping away from, from British GT slightly here now, uh, Fanatec, the manufacturer of racing steering wheels and pedal sets for PCs and consoles and highly expensive racing simulators, uh, have joined the GT World Challenge as title sponsor. So the already lengthy title of GT World Challenge, powered by AWS, has grown even longer with the inking of a new deal between SRO and Fanatec. The computer peripherals company has joined the, the GT World Challenge as title sponsor for all of the series. So we have Fanatec GT World Challenge Australia, powered by AWS. Fanatec GT World Challenge Europe, powered by AWS. The list goes on, and you are seeing what I mean here. 
Additionally, the Dill Seas Fanatec joined the GT2 and GT4 European series and the GT Esports series as title sponsors. So far, so normal. The real news here comes in a bit of a format change for the Fanatec GT World Challenge Europe powered by AWS Endurance Cup. <gasps> Need to take a breath after that one. <laughs> where overall and Silver Cup entrants will now be required to nominate a single driver to take part in an on-site virtual race at five rounds. Now, one of the five rounds here is the total 24 hours of Spa. The event, which will use the official game of the GT World Challenge, Assetto Corsa Competizione, will see these drivers contest a virtual race at each event, which will earn team points towards the Real World GT Challenge Europe Endurance Cup stumbling over the name myself now. <laughs> it's groundbreaking. It's not universally welcomed. Uh, it's a new concept that's certainly going to spice up the battle for the 2021 Endurance Crown in the Teams Championship. Now, the last bit of news that we have for you um, is that Anglo-American Oil, the UK company which produces and imports Sunoco race fuels, has extended its partnership with the British GT Championship for three more years. Uh, the deal will see all British GT race cars run on Sunoco high-performance fuels, and the cars will carry Sunoco branding, as will the refueling rigs at longer races, whilst the front number plate slot in the livery is reserved for another Anglo-American oil product-driven racing oils. Anglo-American oil founder Anders Hildebrand told British GT, in 2002 we became British GT Championship's first official fuel supplier and save for two short periods, have remained so ever since. We are therefore extremely excited to continue our relationship and look forward to at least another three years of supplying Sunoco's world-renowned racing fuels. Obviously, things are more difficult than usual in 2020. The SRO Motorsports Group worked tirelessly to reorganise its nine-race calendar and ensure the season was completed. We share that same can-do attitude and look forward to another successful three years together. Now, that extension also continues the series' eligibility for the Sunoco Whelan Challenge and Sunoco 200 Challenge schemes. The challenges have previously seen notable British GT alumni racing in the US at the world-famous Rolex 24 at Daytona. Professional drivers are eligible for points towards a seat in the Whelan Engineering Cadillac DPIVR top-class entry. Well, amateur drivers earn points towards a shared drive in a GT4 car in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, which supports the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championships Blue Ribbon Seepson opener with a four-hour race on the Daytona International Speedway Roval. The challenge wasn't run in 2020 due to COVID-19, but does return for 2021. Speaking of which, the biggest event in the IMSA calendar is kicking off this weekend at Daytona in Daytona Beach in Florida, uh, the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, so we're going to take a little look now at what is the Rolex, what is IMSA, why the crazy Americans start an entire year on the biggest race of the year, etc, etc. So I think the first thing that we need to to kind of talk about here is that we do have a a number of classes uh in this particular race so nick why don't we start off uh tell us a little bit about the format and the different classes that we can expect to see at the weekend the imsa WeatherTech sports car championship was known as the two-door united in sport united sports car championship and before that was grand am and the american le mans series 
the two rival parties came together, uh, merged completely, um, and, and merged their seasons. Now, each had their own big events. Um, American Le Mans series started at Sebring and ended at Petit Le Mans, for example. Two big events, they didn't want to give them up. The big event for Grand Am was, was the Rolex 24 at Daytona, which was a standalone race at the start of the year. Uh, they didn't want to give that up. So we now start an entire season of racing with 36 hours in Florida, right at the start of the year. It's bonkers and it's brilliant and we love it. Um, we're looking at a standard 24-hour race here. So the check, the green flag will drop at, um, I seem to remember it being three o'clock. I'm going to check because I don't want to miss the start of this race. Uh, but the green flag will drop in the afternoon on Saturday. The checker flag will wave exactly 24 hours later or when the leader next crosses the line after 24 hours have elapsed. We have five classes of cars, three of them prototype-based and two of them GT. Now, people who watch World Endurance Championship will know LMP2 and will, people that watch European Le Mans series will know LMP3 as well. Uh, these are worldwide classes. So your, your baby GT car is LMP3. It's been introduced to the to the big championship, to the IMSA WeatherTech Championship for the first time this year. So it's the first time we're going to see these cars running in the Rolex. Um, we are looking at a spec drivetrain, so engine and gearbox are standard. There are four approved chassis manufacturers that can make these cars, Decane Engineering, Ligier, Adesse, and Ginetta. Now, only Decane and Ligier are present in the LMP3 class in IMSA so far this year. Um, and we've got, quite frankly, haven't got the foggiest how they're going to do because the longest we've seen LMP3 cars do at Daytona so far is four hours. So we've got, we've got 20 other hours that are a complete unknown are going to be absolutely wonderful. So LMP2 is basically the same as LMP3 in that it's a spec chassis engine, or spec engine and gearbox with four approved chassis suppliers. Um, the chassis suppliers for LMP2 are slightly different. We've got Orica and we have, I believe it's Ades in there as opposed to Janetta. Um, but in IMSA, we only have three chassis manufacturers present, Orica, Ligier and Dallara. It's the global... Um, the global amateur P2 car, basically, or prototype car. Um, above this, we're looking at fully professional lineups and fully professional budgets. We're looking at massive money. But these things are cost capped. There are 10 of these cars entered into the race, so it's going to be quite a big field. The top class in prototypes is what we call DPI or Daytona Prototype International. There's seven of them entered, and this is the all-pro lineup. It's a top class of the championship. This is where the win is going to come from, unless something very, very strange happens. Now, DPI is, is a bit of a, a bit of a fudge when it comes to, to making uh, a race car, um, because it's based on LMP2, but manufacturers can approach an LMP2 manufacturer to say, we'd like to build a DPI, can we use your car, and then we'll make it look like ours. So, for example, Cadillac have gone to Dallara. They've borrowed the Dallara LMP2 car, done a bit of plastic surgery, so it looks a bit like a Cadillac and fit the stonking great V8 in the back, um, which is the new Cadillac car. Acura and Mazda have done the same thing with, with, 
Ligier and Multimatic, respectively. Now, as Sarah said in the news, usually we have a British GT driver in this class because of the Sunoco Wheeler Challenge. Um, I hate to say we're the best, but usually the winner comes from our championship. Um, but uh, we haven't got that this year, unfortunately. So as you've mentioned, we don't have a British GT driver um, who will be in the DPI class. So who should we be looking out for, um, especially kind of in the prototypes that we would recognise? So with no British GT driver in the top class, uh, you've got two options. Either you can say, I don't mind who wins, I'm going to pick the car that looks the best. Or you can say Mazda Motorsports, the Mazda RT24P. Uh, Jonathan Bomarito, Harry Tinkle, Ollie Jarvis, all pretty good peddlers in one of the quickest cars out there, engineered by Multimatic, who ran the white, blue and grey McLaren, McLarens. Should I try Mustangs in GT4 last year, uh, 2019 British GT Championship. So that's as close as we can find to a British GT link there. In LMP2, we're slightly spoiled for choice, actually. Um, we've got the number 11 win Autosport Orica, uh, Tristan Nunes, Thomas Merrill, Steve Thomas and Matt Bell, who was runner-up in 2013 in the British GT3 Championship for United Autosports driving a McLaren. Uh, or you can back the RWR Eurasia Ligier JSP217 Gibson. They love short names, these, uh, these prototype manufacturers. Uh, Austin Dillon, Cody Ware, and Matthew Jaminet, um, all very good drivers, sharing with Sally Yuluk. Now, he was the um, interesting driver for Von Ryan racing in McLaren back in the early 2010s. But he's had a lot of practice since, culminating in a very, very strong performance. He won Le Mans uh, 4TS Sport in Aston Martin last year. Uh, now, TS Sport are stepping up to LMP2 with Sally. Uh, in ELMS for this year. So he's going to Daytona to get a bit of practice in the car. Uh, so that's another British GT link there. If you don't want to follow a British GT driver in this class, high class racing is going to be pretty damn quick. Dennis Anderson and Anders Fjordback uh, are very quick drivers. Ferdinand Habsburg is even quicker now. He's dropped his 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 12 superfluous names and just stuck to the two that need to be on the car. Um, but Robert Kubica, Formula One driver, is is driving in this car as well. So that's going to be a bit of a fan favourite. Now, I'm looking at this name. I'm not even sure it would fit yeah. across the entire car. <laughs> <laughs> would you, would, you're better at foreign name pronunciation. Do you want to give it a go? Uh, all right, then. So, Mr. Hasberg's full name. For those who are not aware of it, we've got Ferdinand von Meer, Maria Baltus, Keith, Michael, Otto, Antel, Barnum, Leonard von Hasberg, Lothringen. How's that? Get yourself a beer, you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, finalising the LMP3s here, um, or the, the prototype cars here, LMP3, there is... Again, no British GT team or driver in any way linked with British GT at all. Um, so basically, you can stick a pin in the spotter guide if you want to, or you can go for Core Autosport 
John Bennett, Colin Braun, uh, both former champions in the classes Long Dead Forerunner, uh, Le Mans Prototype Challenge, which was the old Orica 09 FLM cars. Um, George Kurtz and Matt McMurray are handy peddlers in their own right. The, the team, obviously, are pretty good engineers as well. Uh, Core Autosport haven't raced in IMSA uh, WeatherTech Endurance Championship for a, for, for a while um, under their own name, but they did run the Porsche GT Team USA. So they ran the factory Porsche effort in the States for about three years. So we've talked about the prototype cars and teams and entries there. We've still got a few cars uh, left to cover, which do have some British GT interests. So give us a quick rundown as to what cars these are and who we can expect to see in them. This is the proper British GT stuff now because we're talking GT cars. There are two classes of GT car at the Rolex um, and... What we're looking at here is the the bottom class of, of of GT car is GTD or GT Daytona. Now they call them GT Daytona. The rest of the world calls them GT3. So it's basically the cars that you will see running in British GT or the ever so long named GT World Challenge. Um, we're 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 running to a specific uh, IMSA uh, BOP uh, balanced performance. So the performance is slightly different to what you would expect to see out of an SRO run car. Um, and the manufacturers have to buy the rights for teams to run the cars in, in IMSA. So if I was to set up Nick Smith Car Company, I would need to pay IMSA a chunk of money for my customers to take my GT3 cars and race in the States. So you won't see every GT3 car available. Uh, the other class of GT car is GTLM or GT Le Mans. Um, this is the American way of saying GTE. Okay, uh, so it's the same cars that you see racing in World Endurance and European Le Mans series. The the, the big GT cars there. Um, it's full pro specification, so the latest uh, specifications of the GT cars and all pro driver lineups. You could take a Corvette. Ferrari, Aston Martin, BMW, or Porsche. Um, but at the moment, we have no Aston Martins entered. Uh, we have another one we're missing as well. I'm sure of it. Corvette, Ferrari, but no. We have no Aston Martin entered in the top class. Uh, and the only factory team is actually Corvette. That's, that, that team is, is paid for by, by Chevrolet, who obviously own the Corvette brand. BMW is BMW of North America. It's not actually backed by the factory anymore. Okay, so I understand that there are six entries um, in the GTLM class, and we do have a car mm -hmm. to look out for in this. We do indeed. We've got a car that is 66% British and 66% British GT. Um, it's also one of the best-looking cars just in motorsport. Um, the number four Corvette racing Corvette C8R. So the second year of the mid-engined Corvette. Uh, Tommy Milner is the American driver in the car. He's sharing with Nick Tandy, formerly of Porsche, and Alex Sims, formerly of Barwell Motorsport, actually. Uh, Alex Sims uh, raced for Barwell under the Acuria Cost and Acuria Cost by Black Bull banners back in 2013, 2014. 
uh, missed out on the title with Marco Attard in 2014 because he missed one round. Other than that, he would have been a British GT champion. Nick Tandy has raced for motorbased performance and for track speed. Back in the day when we had three Porsches on the GT, three Porsche GT3 cars on the grid. He shared with track speed team owner David Ashburn for a number of races in the Spotty Dog Porsche. So that's the white one with the different coloured spots all over it. Um, you've got to cast your mind back a little bit. This is the fully British GT car in, in GTLM. There are no other British GT links in the top class. So moving on to the GTD class, um, we've got 19 cars entered in there and four of them have British GT links. So let's talk, first of all, um, about, well, you've got it down here as British GT favourite, number one. <laughs> we, we've got two favourites and two backups. Uh, so first, <laughs> let's talk about the number 23, which is the Heart of Racing Team Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT3. Okay, so this is is a team that's, that's that's set up and paid for by Raymond DeAngelis, who is the am of the car. He's also the only non-Brit driving the car, um, with Darren Turner and Ross Gunn needing no introduction in this audience. Ian James is the third Brit, and this man is very, very pro. Uh, he has been a factory driver for a number of different American manufacturers. He's raced um, Cadillacs. In GT, he's been a factory driver, the development driver for the Panels GT4 car. It's just he did his junior single-seaters over here, bogged off to the United States to do his racing and found a life over there. And the UK has kind of forgotten he exists, but this is this is a serious driver. Um, so that is, is, is a strong contender. It's also one of only two Aston Martins in the field. Uh, which brings us on to our second favourite, which would be the other Aston Martin in the field. Um, a car that probably needs no introduction here, the number 97 TF Sport Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT3. Um, again, a couple of names that even I recognise as a relative newbie. Uh, got Charlie Eastwood and Richard Westbrook, as well as Max Root and Ben Keating. As your relative newbie, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by the recognising of Richard Westbrook. Obviously, Charlie Eastwood really requires no introduction. Um, he raced at our last round, so um, he's, he's about as current a British GT driver as you can get. And of course, the team is is British GT through and through. Um, Richard Westbrook, uh, meanwhile, hasn't raced for us for quite a while. He he did selected rounds with David Ashburn in that spotty dog Porsche that I spoke about between 2010 and 2013. Uh, helped David Ashburn to secure the title in 2011, off the top of my head. Um, then he switched to the Tartan Porsche, uh, which he shared with Gregor Fiskin uh, for the 2014 season. Max Root and Ben Keating, both well-respected names. Ben Keating is 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 more well-known than Max, to be honest. It, it's going to be a pretty swift car, especially with TF Sport engineering it. I mean, we're talking about the the... the the team here that out-engineered the factory in the same car, GTEM last year. I think, to be fair, my my knowledge of Richard Westbrook is probably from trawling driver DB in terms of research for various things uh, more than... It's a fantastic reason. Actually recognising it. <laughs> However, 
Uh, moving on to the first of our backup choices. Um, I can't say that I recognize the British GT links to these, but the car itself is the number 28 Allegra Motorsports Mercedes AMG GT3. Behind the wheel of this car, we've got a quad lineup of Daniel Morad, Michael DeCassida, Maximilian Book, and Billy Johnson. Now, the last two of these are our British GT links. So, Nick, tell us um, where this link comes from for anyone who may not know. Okay, this is, if this was any more tenuous, then both would have driver coached somebody in a support category. It's, it's, it's that tenuous. <laughs> but I'm looking for British GT links and British GT links I'll find. Uh, Billy Johnson um, drove for Multimatic at Alton Park in 2019 in one of the Mustangs. Um, so he is a British GT driver based on two races at one weekend of the championship. Maxi Book, Maximilian Book, uh, did a little bit more, actually. He managed three hours in 2019. He raced the Silverstone 500 that year in the ERC Sport Mercedes GT4 car. Uh, actually got into a bit of a scrap with the Team Parker Racing Mercedes of Scott Malvin, fighting away on equal machinery. And we're talking about the man who helped to design and build the GT4. He was the test and, test and development driver for the car. And Scott beat him. Uh, British GT drivers aren't bad, are they? So we've got one more car um, as our backup, which is the number 111. Grassa GRT Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo. Uh, two names I recognise on here. Nick has spent a little bit of time saying, I'm sure that one of these is, um, but I think we've established no. Um, so our British GT link here is driver Marco Mapelli, um, who, of course, we know from this year in the revolving door of drivers for WPI Motorsport. Um, other drivers on this car, we've got Mirko Bortolotti, Stein Schorthals, and Wolf Inneken, given I know you dislike pronouncing names there, Nick. So tell us a bit more about this car. I'd have gone short horsed, to be honest, but. That's why you do the name pronunciation and I just mangle everything else. Um, yeah, Marco Mapelli, uh, obviously one of the drivers, he did the three-hour Donington Park race with WPI Motorsport and Michael Igo last year. Um, nothing against Marco, but it was one of the car's worst performances. I think that was more down to conditions and strategy and, uh, and whatnot. I would have sworn up one side, down the other, left, right, backwards the lot that Marco, so Mirko Bortolotti also raced in the WPR. What if car, you did? But he's the one. <laughs> what <Sorry>? if you did? <laughs> I did. But it turns out he's the one person that's ever sat in a Lamborghini that Michael Igo didn't test drive before deciding on Phil Keane. <laughs> um, but I, 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 if you'd have asked me that as the million pound question on who wants to billion, be, be a millionaire, I'd be walking home empty handed. Um, Rolf Eichen has been uh, a top draw GT driver since for as long as I can remember. Stein is also, also really, really good. Grasser, they're getting used to America now. They've been there for a few years. The Lamborghini is is developing a name for itself as a as an endurance racer. 
I think this one is is a pretty good looking pretty good looking effort. So everything you needed to know British GT related about the upcoming Rolex 24 at Daytona. Um, just as a final summary, when and where can we see it? Wait, you've got options for watching and we're going to recommend a rival network at this point because if you go to radio-show.com or .co, uh, basically what used to be Radio Le Mans, they do all the talking to the pictures for IMSA. So I think you've also got imsaradio.com. They've set up a new website now. Uh, you will have uh, the ability to listen to RS2 IMSA radio on that website, or you can listen on TuneIn Radio on your on your phone or your your satellite. If you're in the states, we've we've got a few listeners in the states. They are going to be on Sirius XM as well. They 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 always are. Um, if you are in the states, you can't watch the race on the website. It's geo-blocked. Anywhere else in the world, you can free of charge on IMSA's website, IMSA Radio, and on Radio Le Mans' website, you can watch live, free, uninterrupted coverage with John Hindoff, Shay Adam, and the team telling you what you're seeing. Uh, look forward to a fantastic stint through the night of Rooftop Ray on top of the, the grandstand. Watching that man in the darkness on his own covering an entire 50-car field with one camera is it's, it's a thing to behold. I'm Angus Fender, I'm a McLaren GT3 driver for Two Seas Motorsport, and you're listening to the British GT Fans Show. Last episode, for a bit of fun, we brought you our inaugural BGTF Show 2020 Christmas quiz, and we did promise you some answers. So let's get you those answers. So we'll run through the questions, and we'll give you the answers this time. So first up, question number one, who is the most successful driver in British GT history? Gave you three options for this, Johnny Adam, Phil Keane and Rob Bell. And the answer was Phil Keane, who surpassed Johnny Adam's 16 win tally during the 2020 Intelligent Money British GT Championship season. For question two, we asked you who is the most successful driver overall to have driven in British GT during 2020. So for this, we're including wins in other championships. Your options were Phil Keane, Johnny Adam or Jensen Button. Now, Jensen Button has 21 wins to his name. Phil Keane has 39. But by far the most successful driver in the championship uh, last year was Johnny Adam, who is credited by DriverDB.com with 67 race victories over his career. So uh, most successful by quite a margin. Now for question three, uh, we said 2020 is the first year since 2008 that the British GT Championship hasn't gone to Europe for its summer holiday. And we asked you to select all the foreign racetracks the championship had visited in the intervening years. We gave you six options for this. Zandvoort, Magnacourt, Nürburgring GP Stryker, Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps, Hockenheimring Baden-Württemberg, or Circuit de Algarve Portenmau. So we know that the British GT Championship has loved going to Spa, but we can also confirm 
that is raced alongside the European Truck Racing Championship at the Nürburgring and also headlined in the Netherlands, uh, specifically the June, in the June round of the championship at 2013 in Zandvoort. So for question four, we asked you, metal and carbon fibre are the main chassis materials used in GT3 and GT4 cars. What was the last car raced in the British GT Championship with a chassis made of wood? Now, many people here are under mistaken impression that the Morgan Aero 8 was built on a wooden chassis, just like every Morgan before it and most of the Morgans after it, to be honest. Uh, but it's actually based on an aluminium platform. It's the first Morgan not built on a wooden base. Instead, the last car to race in the championship with a wooden chassis was the Marcos Mantis GTO, uh, which contested the British GT Championship in 1997 and 1998. The cars actually race to this day. Top Cat Racing uh, still campaign the cars in Brick Car and GT Open. So those cars are actually still going. The third option we gave you was the Caterham 7. Uh, which obviously is a metal base. Moving on to question five. Familiar races are more common in British GT than in almost any other championship. Uh, with 2020, we had a father and son sharing a car for Team ABBA Racing. And we also had father and son collards and proctors racing in GT3 and 4 at the same time. But we wanted to know what was the last family to share a British GT racetrack with either parent and child or siblings? We gave you three options here. Jade and Chloe Edwards, Jamie and Ollie Chadwick, or Alexander and Ross McEwen. So, sister crew Jade and Chloe Edwards shared a Stratton Motorsport slash Ultratech race in Aston Martin V8 Vantage in 2015. In 2016, Jamie Chadwick raced for Generation AMR and GT4, whilst older brother Oliver took the start of the opening round in the GPRM Toyota GT86. But the most recent pairing to share both blood and racetrack is Alexander and Ross McEwen, who raced with Track Focused in the KTM Crossbow during the first Donington Park meeting and Spa-Francorchamps rounds last year. And they, of course, are father and son. Uh, just to clarify... By last year, we mean 2019, as we have since ticked over the calendar this is year. very true. <laughs> so our next five questions are all share and share alike. So we're finding the link here. And the first question on the share and share alike was, which manufacturer supplies the four-litre V8 engine to Aston Martin, which powers the V8 Vantage AMR GT4? We asked you, was it Mercedes-AMG? Was it Ford Motor Company or is it Audi? Now, Mercedes-Benz actually supply Aston Martin engines for most of their road cars, which Gaydon then modify to suit their vehicles. The same is true for AMR and ProDrive at Banbury, who take the V8 from Mercedes-AMG, uh, rework it so it's suitable for use in the Aston Martin GT4 car. But the engine architecture is identical between the Mercedes and the Aston Martin. So question seven, also a share and share alike question. We wanted to know which other Volkswagen AG Motorsport product uses the same underpinnings and powertrain as the Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo. Options for this question were the Bentley Continental GT3, the Volkswagen IDR, and the Audi RA LMS GT3 Evo. So Volkswagen AG owns a number of high-performance brands, including Bugatti, Bentley, and even Ducati. 
But the model most similar to the Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo is actually the Audi R8 LMS GT3 Evo as run by Stella Motorsport during the 2020 season. Okay, for the third question in Share and Share Alike, the eighth question overall, we asked you which non-GT4 road car shares its platform with both the GT4 and road-going Toyota GR Supra. Is it the Mazda MX-5 or Miata for our American friends? Is it the BMW Z4 or the Mercedes-Benz SLA? Now, Toyota and BMW worked together to develop the platform for the road-going GR Supra and the latest BMW Z4. With GT4 being a road-based GT class, Toyota then used the same basic platform to develop the GR Supra GT4. BMW, on the other hand, preferred to race their more mainstream models, so have developed an M4 GT4, which we have in British GT, and are preparing to launch the new M4 GT3. So the answer here, of course, is, is the BMW Z4. Question nine. The Ferrari 488 GT3 and Evo is almost unique in GT3 in that it can be reconfigured to race in the GT class at Le Mans. What's the only other British GT model which can pull off the same party piece? Options here, the Porsche 911 991.2 GT3 RS, Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT3, or the BMW M6 GT3. So the Aston Martin uses the same basic architecture as the V8 Vantage AMR GTE, which races in the FIA World Endurance Championship and at Le Mans. The upgrade isn't the work of a moment because bodywork, electronics, and even the engine need to be changed. But you can, however, race the same chassis in the Silverstone 500 and Silverstone 6 hours. BMW look like they can do it too, as the M6 GT3 and M6 GTLM are both based on the same platform. The GTLM is an upgrade to the GT3, um, and the ACO and FIA have never recognized the, GT the M6 GTLM. So that can only race in IMSA competition, which means that the answer is the Aston Martin. The final share and share alike question for you. Question number 10 in, in the quiz here. Uh, behold, we had a picture for you. Behold the generation AMR Aston Martin V8 Vantage, AMR GT4, driven by super dry boss James Holder and Matthew George. For this question, tell us which car shared George as the pro driver for the 2019 Silverstone 500. So we gave you four options here. The 66 Team Parker Racing Mercedes of Nick Jones and Scott Malvin. 55 JMH Auto Lamborghini Huracan GT3 of John Searle and James Stanley. The 44 Invictus Games Racing Jaguar F-Type SVR GT4 of Steve McCulley and Paul Weiss. And then finally, the 33 GCAT Racing Porsche 911-991 GT3 RS of Greg Catton and Seamus Jennings. What a mouthful. James Holder was the principal organiser of the Invictus Games racing team, engineered by David Appleby Engineering, the same crew that ran his generation AMR super racing efforts in previous seasons. So, of course, we're looking towards the 44 Invictus Games uh, racing Jaguar F-Type here with Steve McCulley and Paul Weiss. He borrowed Matthew George from the Invictus effort, as there were three drivers in the Jaguar for the longer race. So George didn't need to drive for as long as other pro drivers entered into the race. So, yes, Matthew George raced in both a Jaguar and an Aston Martin in the same three-hour race. 
in the same class as well. The next five questions are all about distance. Um, so question 11 on the quiz in the first batch of this batch. How long is the Bruns Hatch Grand Prix circuit? Three options here. 2.433 miles, 3.121 miles, 2.198 miles. So the Grand Prix circuit at Brands Hatch is measured at 2.433 miles or 3.908 kilometers. Uh, racetracks are officially measured at the center line, so the distance covered during a race is usually a little bit longer because the fastest route around the track switches from side to side around the center line. The second question asks exactly the same thing. How long is Circuit du Spa-Francorchamps? And the options we gave you here were 4.108 miles, 4.598 miles, or 4.352 miles. Now, the answer here is that the current circuit to Spa-Francorchamps is less than half the length of the original venue at 4.352 miles or 7.004 kilometers. They could have shaved that, what's that, 40 meters off and hit it on the nose, couldn't they? The circuit average is shorter during the 24-hour weekend, uh, given that the pit lane actually runs inside the track for an extended length because both pit lanes are in operation. Uh, whereas when we race there, of course, we, we just run the Formula One pit lane. So it's not that much shorter. Question 13, following on to the previous two, um, but this time the Silverstone Grand Prix circuit. Our options here, 3.194 miles, 3.661 miles, or 3.667 miles. So the current Silverstone Grand Prix circuit measures 3.661 miles. Um, a scant 0 0.006 miles shorter than the previous version of the circuit. Now that was raced for a single year in 2010 whilst other work was done on the venue and the wing pit complex was developed. 3.194 miles is the official distance of the bridge Grand Prix layout. I'm going to apologise for that one because when I wrote that question, I was really nasty and gave you three correct lengths for different versions of the Silverstone circuit. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, the fourth question in this group of questions is about Alton Park and the international circuit, so the venue that we race on, the layout that we race on. Uh, the international layout of Alton Park is the longest at the venue, with Foster's and Island circuits also available. At 2.692 miles, or 4.302 kilometres, it's the second shortest circuit on the British GT calendar. So that's 2.692 miles. And the last question of this section, we asked how long is the Donington Park Grand Prix circuit? Three options again, 2.498 miles, 2.289 miles, or 2.778 miles. Now, Donington Park's Grand Prix layout is rarely used. Um, and that makes it tricky with fuel from landing jets to the nearby airport coating the tarmac early in many weekends. The circuit measures 2.498 miles. And the lap record for that distance is still held by Ayrton Senna with a 1.18 spot 029 during the European Grand Prix of 1993. And that record was actually set during a run through the pit lane. And just for reference, fun fact, the last British GT race at the circuit saw a fastest lap of 1 minute 27.529 seconds. So a GT3 car is 19 and a half seconds slower than a damn near 30-year-old Formula 1 car. So the 16th question of the quiz and the first of, um, I'm going to blame these ones on, on, on Sarah, 
You should have um, wrote them all. <laughs> uh, the first of Sarah's questions. Uh, British GT drivers are graded by the FIA, but what does FIA stand for? And when was this organisation founded? Now, we've got three options here for you. The Fédération Internationale de l'Automobile, founded on the 20th of the 6th, 1904. The Fédération E-Day de l'Automobile, founded 10-7-1924. Or the Fédération Internationale de l'Automobile, founded in 6-8-1944. The correct answer here, of course, is that the FAA is the Fédération Internationale de l'Automobile, and was founded way back in 1904. It's based in Paris, and the organisation is the governing body for world motorsports. It brings together 243 motoring and sporting organisations around the world. And I think we have enough trouble trying to get nine championships to agree on a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> the next question um, in this random question section is, which British GT Circuit's inaugural race was known as the Mutton Grand Prix? Was it Donington Park, Snetterton, or Silverstone? Now, before Sarah gives you the answer to this one, I will confess that when she asked me this, there are seven uh, seven circuits on our calendar, and I got through six trying to find the right answer. Well, <laughs> no shame in getting this one wrong. <laughs> I was looking for interesting things that would come up as questions and thought that might be, you know, something that people had an idea about, but apparently not. The answer, of course, though, for this question um, is Silverstone. Now, Silverstone was first used for motorsport by a local group of 12 friends who set up an impromptu race over a two-mile circuit of what was then the deserted Silverstone airfield in September 1947. Um, Now, I did a bit of research and I did verify this from a few different sources, um, including you know, all the ones you would expect. Um, but this is actually also available as a story on the BBC in case you do want to go and check it out because it does sound a little bit far-fetched. Uh, but one of the group, a Morris Gergen from the nearby Silverstone village, ran over a sheep that had wandered onto the airfield during the course of this race, uh, which killed the sheep and wrote the car off. And the aftermath of the event meant that the informal race became known as the Mutton Grand Prix. Now you say it's far fetched. I used to live down way down that way. That's a normal day where I come from. <laughs> so, third question in this section is question eighteen of the quiz overall. How did Alton Park's Nickerbrook Corner get its name? And I do love the way that Sarah has actually got three answers here, which could all be right because I've forgotten the word for how words etymology. Are et- Etymologically, yes. Not to be confused because with etymology, etym- which is both. Yes, yes. But etymologically, all of these answers could be correct. Number one, the name derives from the Nicken Brook, Nicken being a Middle Germanic word describing a fold or bend. Two, an unfortunate incident involving dynamite and some outdoor shenanigans which left ladies' underwear to be discovered at the site. And three, it was the historical site of a nickn, or noun, uh, a wall of shrubberies used to mark a land division in a rural area. Now, shortly before the circuit was created, Blaster Bates, a local explosives and demolition expert, was called in to remove three beech trees near the area where the corner sits. After the third explosion, a couple were seen fleeing the scene in some disarray. 
closer inspection found a pair of ladies, out, uh, ladies underwear floating in the brook. Stuck for a name for the corner, circuit organisers subsequently heard of the tale, so Nickerbrook was born. You can even hear Blaster tell the story himself on YouTube, and I'm sure Sarah, uh, who is much better at the old Twitter than I am, will share that link on our social media for you. So, yes, we are talking about the unfortunate incident involving dynamite and outdoor shenanigans. Uh, So, question 19. The first ever British GT race, uh, which was then called the BRDC National Sports GT Challenge, took place in 1993. But which circuit did it take place at? And our options here were Silverstone, Donington Park or Brands Hatch. Uh, Let's do a bit of digging find this uh but did verify it from a few different sources but the answer is donnington park um and that race took place in fact on the 25th of april 1993 and it consisted of seven porsches entered into a 30 minute race which was eventually won by the number 55 porsche 935 k3 of john greasley um which is the only car that we have any information about um, which I located at racingsportscars.com, which has a lot of historical archives. Um, and BritishGT.com did mention uh, the circuit in their celebration um, of 300 races taking place. It was in the preview to the 300 it race, was. wasn't it? It was, it was buried in there somewhere. As was the answer to... The 20th question of the quiz, the final one of of this five-question round, which reads, the 300th British GT race took place at Donington Park in 2019. How many racing laps had been completed prior to that point? So what we're looking for here is every racing lap completed up to the final lap of, it would have been Brands Hatch in 2019. Uh, now, the answers that we gave you to choose from were 900, sorry, 9,734. Uh, second option is 11,512. And the final answer is 13,027. Uh, 13, uh, so if you add up the, the total winning lap counts of every one of the 299 races preceding the 300th, you get that from BritishGT.com confirms that in 27 seasons, we completed 13,027 racing laps. So that's the, that, 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 that's quite a few trips around a it circuit. Is. So the last uh, questions are also my fault. So if you hate anagrams, then I'm sorry, but I really enjoyed making these. <laughs> um. <laughs> All of all of a all of a sudden, our listeners like me. <laughs> In case you haven't worked this out, given the the Nickerbrook question, I quite like language and words, so I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, so yeah, we had five anagrams for the last question. So the first of these was "I help Ken." So figured we'd set we'd start you in easy with this one. Uh, the answer, of course, to this one is Phil Keen. Your second anagram of Yeoman Tingle Lint. That's Yeoman Tingle Lint. Uh, you find that in the name of the championship because we are the intelligent money. 
British GT Championship. So Yeoman Tingle Lint, Intelligent Money. The third anagram was Protester Roll Most. Um, now this one is a team. And of course, if you unroll your protester, you will find the most excellent Stella Motorsport. Did you write that question just so you could answer that? No, I didn't. That, that was just completely off the top of my head. <laughs> so, uh, our fourth anagram. Do Bronco roar knowledge? My answer to that would be no. They roar with the sound of petrol or diesel being burned. Uh, but do Bronco roar knowledge, uh, which apparently is Andrew Gordon Colebrook. Um, one of the Century Motorsport BMW drivers. Do Bronco raw knowledge? Probably my favourite one, but I do like number five as well. So number five, uh, our anagram was nobly ancient nettle, which no spiffy, witty reveal for this one. Other than being a stalwart of the British GT lineup, we have the Bentley Continental. So those are the answers to the quiz. I'd um, be really interested to see how many you got right. Hello, BGTF Mog. <laughs> so, as Sarah goes off to turn BGTF Mog into BGTF slippers, it falls to me to say thank you very much for listening to the first episode of the British GT Fan Show for 2021. Uh, we will look forward to speaking with you in the next month. So, probably the tail end of February, unless lots of news comes out and we end up having to either do two episodes or bore you to death with a three hour episode. Thank you very much for your time. Have a safe and well February. Thanks for listening to the British GT Fan Show. Remember, the show's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website, www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media, at bgtfshow. British GT Fan Show is a Storm Vixen Creative and RPS driven media production. To find out more, visit our website at www.bgtfshow.co.uk.